Our scripture today comes from the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in all. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Holy God, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is, what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. To live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I've told you this before in years past, but there's something in me that desires to be a runner. Something about running calls me, and I really don't know why. Because I don't necessarily, I, yeah, I can't talk today, don't necessarily like running, and it's hard. And my face gets really, really red when I get hot. Like so red, people are like, are you okay? Like, yeah, my face just gets red, sorry. So over the years of my adult life, I have been successful at times in running and having a good running routine. But more often than not, my goal of being a runner seems too big, too insurmountable, too much. In the last few years, I've had a really grumpy IT band. I've spent a lot of money at physical therapy trying to manage that, so that doesn't, it's not conducive to running. And last year in May, oh, I sprained my ankle, so I just was like, out, done, no more. And I put to rest any of the ideas of lacing up those sneakers. I thought for good this time. The idea of me being a runner is just too hard. It's out of my reach. But, you know, do you ever have friends that you can't say no to? I have one of those. Over Christmas break, my friend Trudy cast a new vision that I would join her family in January of 2023 at Disney World to run a half marathon. I haven't said it out loud very much, so that makes it real. And I look at runners, and I look at me, and I think, nope, just not cut out for it. But Trudy is my best friend. She inspires me. And I decided I would give it one more try. So I have a treadmill, and since February, I've been steadily adding minutes to my running every week until this past Friday, face redder than red, I ran 
3.1 miles, which is the equivalent of 5K, right? Woo! I'm icing my leg all weekend because of it. But next week, I'm going to start towards four miles. You know, I've never been very athletic or fit, and it's almost like I have to suspend all real thoughts of myself when I turn on the treadmill. I've not been brave enough to run outside yet, so just bear with me. And just put one foot in front of the other every step of the way. We are starting a new sermon series called The Ministry of Ordinary Places. And Reverend Jamie, La Jamie Lee and I, good heavens, it's like we had really big church last week and now I can't even talk. I overdid it apparently. Um, we're reading this book called The Ministry of Ordinary Places by Shannon Martin. And just kind of thinking about this post-Easter or Eastertide season... And what it really means to be people of faith, how do we live? In her book, Shannon Martin writes this about the call. I always thought being called by God was a rare and special thing that happened to only a slim percentage of unlucky people. Just being honest. When I heard proclamations of someone going into full-time ministry, as opposed to occasional or intermittent ministry, I guess, I assumed the unfortunate soul would end up in one of two places. The church on the corner with the high turnover rate, or a developing country overseas. I don't know what that says about me, and I had friends who felt otherwise, pining to be chosen, but both options made me shiver. This low-grade anxiety over whether or not I would be called by God ebbed and flowed even into adulthood. I was unable to shake the feeling that it was still possible. Whenever it popped up, I kindly reminded God that I'm not that kind of woman. I'm indoorsy with a sensitive gag reflex and a mortal phobia of outhouses. I'm not the best choice for a day trip to a state park, much less the mission field. All along, I viewed ministry as something to be avoided. So when my sturdy, athletic, younger sister moved to Zambia to be a missionary, I knew I was home free. Bullet dodged. That's what she writes. Bullet dodged. That made me laugh. <laughs> reading that. It's a very introductory part of the book. But I totally get this author's viewpoint. Maybe it's a byproduct of growing up in the Bible Belt of Texas. I don't know. But I knew plenty of people who would loudly proclaim, I'm called to the ministry. And I have to say, I sat back judgmentally balking against the idea that just because God was present and working in your life that you had to go and be a pastor. I had the models of my grandparents, who were the most faithful people that I knew, and had the most effective ministry by being a teacher and a farmer, by being deeply involved in their church and loving people with their whole hearts. And then I felt called to be a pastor. So it kind of impedes my logic here, but stick with me. 
because I believe this to the core of me. As people of faith, no matter your vocation, we are called to live a life that is more than just our own. In the book of Ephesians, from which our scripture came today, Paul is writing to the Christians in Ephesus. Now, he had had a pretty um, good ministry there in Ephesus with the people that um, were following the way. And by the time he's writing the letter, he is off in jail somewhere. So he's writing these um, letters of encouragement to different communities of faith. Now, the letter to the Ephesians is broken up into two parts. The first is Paul outlining the gospel story, reminding the people in Ephesus that all of history culminated in the salvific acts of Jesus that has created this big, beautiful, multi-ethnic community. Then there is this connecting word right at the beginning of chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore. This launches into Paul's vision of how the people of Ephesus should live their lives because of the gospel story. He encourages them. He begs them. He implores them, depending on the version of the scripture that you look at, to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And so here we are, a week after Easter, and you're here, and you know the room was filled last week, but this week you're here, which means that it is your spiritual task to answer the question, now what? Christ has died, Christ is risen, now what do we do? And Paul gives us the clue. Therefore, live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. The calling to which you have been called is the gospel story, understanding Jesus, understanding that Christ gave himself up for us, and that that act should change everything that we do. But I'm not sure about you. I don't always feel worthy of such a high calling. I don't feel worthy of changing the world. That sounds hard and way out of my reach. So Jimbo and I live down in Littleton, so I drive Broadway just about every day back and forth. And there's a gym on the west side of the road that has big windows and a quote etched on those windows something that you've probably heard before. Fitness is a journey, not a destination. While not a novel concept, I find it very comforting every time I drive by it and I take a big deep breath. That's right. It's a, it's a journey, not a destination. So much more gracious to ourselves to consider that fitness or our lives of faith 
or a journey, and not some big goal we need to achieve or a destination we have to reach. It's not big or grandiose, but it is one step after another, after another, after another. In their book, Exploring the Way, Marjorie Thompson and Stephen Bryant write, the divine call is not simply to do something great, but to live close to God, to share God's loving intentions for the world. And not just on one great big Sunday celebration, but every single day. Will I ever consider myself a runner? I kind of doubt it. To be a runner means something more than I can probably give. But dadgummit, I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other, less concerned about the destination and more about the journey. And you may never consider yourself a minister. But don't you ever minimize the impact your life has on others with every smile you give or meal that you offer to a family in need or church committee that you serve on or conversation that you start with someone new after worship. Every time you ask someone for coffee just to get to know them better or bring some items to the church for donation or keep church members in your heart during your prayers, you are ministering one little action at a time. And I am inspired by you. Alan Ewing Merrill writes this poem called Call and Response. The question is not whether you are a calling God. You call, you invite, you inspire, you challenge. The question is whether we are a responding people, whether we are open to your guiding spirit, whether we quiet our hearts to hear your voice, whether we are willing to be conformed to your will, continue calling God to gift us, equip us, nurture us, challenge us. Yes, continue to call us for the sake of a world that needs the gifts you've planted within us. And when we're slow to respond, keep nudging, keep whispering, Keep pestering, provoking, and prodding. Keep calling. Keep inviting response until our hearts are quieted to hear your voice and open to your guiding spirit and willing to be conformed to your will until together we dance step by step. You in the lead. Call and response. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen. I invite you to join with me in our offering prayer.